Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Good afternoon and welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, where as always we're here together working on improving our financial IQ. Total Wealth Academy is an educational and mentoring program for people who want to learn how to use real estate to build a second stream of income, an, in, an income stream that they own, that they control, they can't be fired from, and an income stream that lasts the rest of your life. Uh, this isn't like a job where, you know, you eventually either choose not to work or health forces you not to work. This income stream keeps coming in. Whether you live five years or 50 years in retirement, it just keeps coming in. And we use everything from single family homes to small and large apartment complexes, senior living complexes, self-storage complexes, RV parks, mobile home parks, hotels, strip shopping centers, Anything that produces cash flow and is backed by real estate, we're doing it. Today I want to start off the show by talking a little bit about where money comes from. We discuss this at least once a month, but I haven't discussed it in quite some time. And it's an important subject because there's a lot of people who have this feeling that getting wealthy is not good, it's greedy, it's this, it's that. And they have negativity, literally negativity about being successful financially. And you have to understand where money comes from to really understand the ineffectiveness and the ignorance of those types of beliefs. One of the things... Well, let's just discuss. Let's let me just ask the question: Where does money come from? And when I do this in large groups, three hundred people, five thousand people, or whatever, you get a lot of different answers. The three most common. We'll start from the least to the most common. Is people will say money comes from banks. Banks in America, they create money and it gets distributed that way. But I want you to think about something. Do banks have any money? And the answer is very little. Whose money do the banks have? They have your money. Your and my money. They don't have a lot of money. They've got our money. So banks do not generate capital. They make money, don't get me wrong, but they don't they are not that's not where money comes from. The next most common is that big corporations by creating industry and things like that that creates money. But when you think about the big corporations and ask the same question 
whose money do the big corporations have? They've got our money. Stocks. You, when you put your money in a stock, that's giving that money to that corporation. So, corporations are not the source of money either. And then the most common is, well, if it doesn't come from the banks, if it doesn't come from the big corporations, I know money comes from the government. Now, probably every one of you have figured out what I'm about to ask. Does the government have any money? No. There are trillions of dollars in debt. Whose money do they have? Ours. Look at your paycheck. What's missing? Taxes. <laughs> the government doesn't have money. They're doggone trillions in debt. They're worse than broke. Let's rephrase the question and see if it doesn't make sense where money comes from. And rephrasing the question gives you the answer. If you want more money in your pocket, where does it have to come from? Think deeply. Someone else's pocket. See, Every dime of capital in the United States is controlled by somebody. There's no big pile of unclaimed money out there waiting for you to just go grab it. If you want more money in your pocket, it has to come out of someone else's pocket. To deserve that, in other words, if you are rich, you helped and served a lot of other people. It's that simple. You helped and served other people. A dollar bill is literally a representation of your service to other people. If you don't have a lot of dollar bills, you're not helping a lot of other people. If you have a lot of dollar bills, you're helping a lot of people. One of the simplest examples can be, let's take a um, musician. You say, well, musicians, they make millions of dollars. How? As corny as this sounds, they make people happy. For $2, I can buy a song, listen to it over and over again as many times as I want, for two bucks. And I don't know about you, but I love music. Music makes me happy. When I listen to certain songs, I get happy, I start moving around, I start tapping my feet, I start singing along. And what they do is they sell that same song to millions of people for a couple of bucks a piece. Then they do concerts where the people can come have fun and listen to that song and they make millions doing that 
helping and serving other people. In real estate, it's we help and serve other people by providing them a clean, functional, safe place to live. Now, when I say safe, I'm not talking about from criminals or anything like that. I'm talking about safe, meaning there's nothing that's going to injure you on the property. You have to be careful how you say that. Um, so, when you buy a 500-unit apartment complex, you're helping and serving 500 families all at once. Do you see why you get wealthy and why you should never feel guilty about being wealthy? Because if you got a bunch of money, you helped and served a lot of people. When we come back, I've got a special guest who has been out there helping and serving people with real estate for a long time, and he volunteered to come on the radio show to give you some encouraging words about doing the same thing. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Thanks for listening. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, and I've got a special guest today who has really mastered the concept of helping and serving other people with real estate. Uh, He's done multiple uh, types of investing, um, single-family apartments. He is not a member of Total Wealth Academy. He's not a student of mine. This is an individual I have a deep respect for who literally volunteered to spend some time to share some encouraging words with you about why real estate should be in your portfolio. So uh, please welcome Russell Simmons. Ru- Russell, thanks a lot for calling in. How are you today? Hey, fine, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I really appreciate you coming at, you know, coming on the show to give some encouraging words. If you could, why don't you give a brief history of time for them and where you started because a lot of people, a lot of listeners may think, well, this guy started, he was already rich when he started. Um, tell them where you started from and where you're at now. Okay, sure. Um, I guess that a lot of times people assume that uh, I got started in real estate because my parents were in real estate or because we did a lot of construction. My parents were in construction, but actually they uh, ran a flower shop in Houston, Texas on Telephone Road, so you can't get... Too, you know, too much farther away from real estate than that. But <laughs> in uh, 1976, uh, I answered an ad. A guy was selling five-acre tracks in Wimberley, and because the economy was uh, terrible, uh, inflation was high, interest rates were in the, the teens, uh, they kind of had to give, give the land away, and they had to finance it. So uh, at 16 years old, bought the five acres in Wimberley, uh, put $2,000 down because I had $2,000, and it was $149 a month. 
and I had $149 a month because I was working at the flower shop. So that's how I got my first deal, and uh, a few years later, got my real estate license because I had an interest in it, and bought a house, again, owner finance because that's what the market was. Yeah. And I learned early that you have to take advantage of what the market gives you. That's how I got my start. And then you ended up, how many single-family homes have you done? Did you, I'm not sure, did you ever do any flipping? Uh, we didn't flip per se. Uh, what we would do was, was buy uh, properties with multiple strategies. Uh, we, would, we would start renovating it. If we could lease it first, we would. If we couldn't, then we'd put it on the market and try to uh, sell it. And I always tease my wife that if it didn't sell, she wanted to know what we were going to do. And, and we, I said we'd move into it. So we did that <laughs> at the time. So uh, never had a great plan, uh, but just always, you know, stayed active and, you know, had confidence in my own ability to uh, take what the market gave me and make something happen. And then you moved to apartments. Yeah, it was kind of that economy of scale that people uh, get to. I don't know how many homes I've done or how many rentals never really started, you know, stopped long enough to count. I'm sure it's, you know, well over 100. But, uh, you know, you get up to where you've got 10 or 15 single-family rentals. You've got a, a few things under construction for resale. And you say, well, I'm running over here and I'm running over there and, you know, my my contractors spread all over the place. Well, let me put everybody in one spot. So how does that happen? Uh, you buy an apartment complex. Yeah. And you started off like I did with some smaller units, right? Because my very first, you'll find this humorous, my very first 10-unit uh, apartment was on Telephone Road. Really? Yeah, right there, you know, um, just south of I-10, Plum Street. Do you remember Plum Street? Sure, sure. That that yeah. little ten unit right there at the corner was my very first owner financed uh, two, by the way, and it got me started in multifamily. And the funny thing was, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I goofed it up the first year because I didn't realize that single family. You know, I had run a hundred single family homes, and now I had this ten unit apartment and apartments run differently and i couldn't grasp you know all the differences marketing um things like that did you have any trouble when you moved from single family to apartments did you see a learning curve uh there was definitely a learning curve i wasn't old enough to to you know put a whole lot of thought into it i mean just kind of put my head down it was a 41 unit complex that was dead in the water no tenants uh, off, off of Sherwood Lane. It was called Sherwood Garden Apartments. And basically, um, an older couple put it on the market uh, for, for resale. They had a price of 600000 There was a long line of people that were willing to pay them 600000 Unfortunately, sure. they didn't have the funds or the means. So I offered four hundred because 10000 a door was what I felt like it was worth. And after all the people, the other people that had a great story but no money and no track record got out of the way, and the couple that was selling the property found out that I had a banking relationship with their banker, 
at Sterling Bank, and he put in a good word for me. We did the deal. So I was the proud owner of a 41-unit vacant apartment complex, which I'm sure made my wife and my parents very happy at the time. They probably thought I was crazy. They just never told me. (laughs) You know, I joke about this in my Saturday class that your friends, you know, this is not the same thing, so bear with me. I start off by saying your friends don't like it when you're successful. Your relatives hate it. So don't tell them what you're doing until you've done it. And Because they do. They think you're crazy. I had an uncle try to talk me out of it. You know, he was like, that's crazy. Because he had had um, three rent houses, and he lost them all to foreclosure because he mismanaged them. He didn't know what he was doing. But, of course, his story was it was the market it was this. It was, he had all these excuses when in reality he just didn't know what he was doing and he ran them into the ground. And it scared me to death. And one of my mentors looked at me and he goes, why would you go to a failure and ask them how they did it? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that wasn't a good idea, was it? You know, so, I always uh, am concerned when people go get wise counsel from people that know nothing about real estate. You know, when... Uh, when a couple's parents or an uncle's going to come look at a deal and you're worried <laughs> that they're going to talk them out of it and they're going to listen to somebody that has no clue what they're doing and not listen to the professional that's been doing it, that's trying to help them do it. But, yeah, I mean, buying something vacant, uh, you know, might have not been the greatest strategy, but I thought that the, uh, the asset was one that I wanted uh, the acquisition price was fair. I had a good loan on it, and I kind of treated it like single family. Basically, I renovated a unit, moved in a tenant, renovated another unit, moved in a tenant, and before long, uh, we were full. I don't remember the timeline, but it seemed like it went pretty quick. Now, did you take in? Did you use a bridge loan and take in the rehab money, or did you put the rehab in, money in yourself? How'd you handle that? Just the rehab money was mine, um, and 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 really, it just it was self-funded. It's uh, you know I did a lot of the physical work, like I still do today. I don't know why. I just kind of gravitate to it. But it's amazing what you can do when your back is against the wall. And uh, you know, option wasn't really. I'm sorry, option failure wasn't an option because. You know, I didn't have another plan for taking care of my family. My wife was home with two young kids. So, you know, you just put your head down and and do what I call ugly it in. Make it happen. And uh, evidently, it wasn't so ugly because the tenants moved in and it became a very stable property. And no idea on the timeline. Do you think it took over a year? I would think probably a year, a year and a half. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after that that... uh, there was an adjacent 22 units. I mean, actually, a fence separated the property. So at one time, it was probably one big complex that got split. And they were very unsuccessful. They were attracting the wrong type of tenant, which is really hurting me leasing on my side of the fence. Yep. So I approached that owner and was able to get a real sweet deal, about ten, about $10,000 $10, a door again. Of course, these were full, but didn't really like the tenants, but at least I had the cash flow. And then the bank went ahead and, and supported me with no additional capital, and they funded the whole 22 units for me. So now I'm, I'm up to 63 units and, again, became probably 
one of our most successful complexes. That's amazing. Do you remember F- Fairway right off of uh, Telephone Road? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had 22 units on there. And people, after I rehabbed it, people who owned little complexes along the street, they were coming to me and going, you know, I wasn't thinking about selling, but now I am. And I was able to, I ended up wholesaling some of those apartments and then kept a couple of them. But it is amazing. Once you get in the business, finding your next deal becomes easier and easier because you're in it. Yeah, we got to go to break. Uh, Please hold on and I'll get back with you in about four minutes. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Steve Davis. Thanks for listening. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, Russell Simmons. And we're talking about just kind of some banter about some of the deals that we have done and how we got started. And it's stuff that anybody can do. You know, it's really interesting, Russell. So how old were you when you did your first deal? Sixteen. Sixteen. That's crazy. That's crazy. It took me, I knew at 16 that I wanted to be in real estate, um, but it took me until 27 before I really started doing it. So did you have a specific motivation? Um, Did you just want to be wealthy or financially independent? What was the motivation? Well, I had a lady that worked at my parents' flower shop, her boyfriend, was a residential real estate guy and I just found him interesting and it's funny that you mentioned fairway because uh, when I got my license uh, I went you know you have to go work for a broker until you're in you know until you have enough hours you can become your own broker but the name of his company was fairway properties so okay he was a smart guy and we like to talk politics and and investing and interest rates and stuff. He was wise. And I think just talking with him got me, uh, got me interested, but you know, I like value and the fact that somebody was going to sell me something and owner finance it. Uh, was just, was just kind of fascinating. And, and the real funny thing of the story was the, the guy flew me from Houston hobby to Austin. I guess it's called Berkstrom. I forget the name of the airport in Austin and, and picked me up and took me out to Wimberley and showed it to me and then flew me back. And I'd never been on a plane before. That tells you what it was like being a teenager in the 70s. I mean, not everybody flew. Both of my children probably flew for the first time at six months old or a year or something like kids do today. But it was a great experience for me, and I feel like I got a a free first airplane ride also. (laughs) That is a great story. 
Um, I don't recommend that for parents now, though. I don't think you. I don't think you let your your child get on a plane and go somewhere to meet a stranger to buy real estate. But it was just a different <laughs> time. Yeah. So, as you were growing to the point that you've got got here, um, did you ever have any fears, any insecurities, anything that held you back that you overcame, or have you always been kind of courageous and? Just, I, I use the word crazy, because, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, you're always doubting if it's the right move, but you still have to move forward. That's the and and you know, number one, I've been blessed, and number two, I've been lucky, uh, all combined with you know hard work. But you know, to to tell people what luck is. Uh, when I sold my first house over by Hobby Airport, um, I think I was 24, 25, and I'm walking away with around $50,000. You know, 10 of it was my down payment, and the rest of it was equity. And I'm thinking, gosh, what a country. This is amazing. And I wanted to buy something else, so I ended up buying a, a house and a garage apartment. So I went from one unit to two, you know, really quick. And... I bought the house and garage apartment because it was close to town and I liked the architecture and the neighborhood was run down and not really safe, but that's what I could afford. Right. The lucky part was it was called a place called the Houston Heights. Mm. And I know it was going to be the Heights. No, no. So I owned a lot of property in the Heights before it really got popular. Yeah, that's, that's good fortune. Uh, yep. Yeah, yep. you made that comment about luck, but at the same time, while there was luck involved, I see lucky people all the time. Um, what people call luck, uh, these are people that bought out in Katy, or they bought in, uh, God, what is it, Clear Lake area, and when it was nothing. Sure. When when I moved out to uh, Katy. Fry Road was literally a two-lane asphalt beat-up road. Now it's six lanes. Sure. Um, my properties have all tripled in value, and this is since, I guess it's been about 23 years, and they're only supposed to double in value about every 20 years, and boom, they're tri- they tripled. Um, so while I agree with you there's some luck to it, you were there, though. You were busting your butt. You know, so you got to give yourself a lot of credit because you might have seen that area is not ever changing and have sold quickly. That That's really cool. Um, a friend of mine has a lot of property out there. He considers himself lucky, too, and I don't because he's, he hustled to get those deals. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I don't know if you were on hold and heard this, I was talking about that where money comes from is from helping and serving other people. And the more people that you help and serve, the more money you make. In real estate, the way you make money is by providing a clean, functional, safe place to live. And a lot of people are, you know, they almost feel guilty. There's a certain guilt with being financially successful that some people have. Did you ever experience that, or did you really feel like you were helping and serving other people? What do you think of those comments? Yeah, I've never really felt uh, guilty about it. Um, you know, we've always been 
property rich and cash poor. You know, I don't. Yeah. We live in a nice, nice house, and uh, you know, my kids were you know able to provide a college education for them and, and important stuff, and able to give away money uh, like we we should to help other people. But um, never, never felt guilty. Um, it just felt like we were. Uh, I mean, when you help people. It comes back. That's not the reason that you do it. But I've gotten so many deals just because I've been driving down the street and saw somebody, uh, you know, staring off into space in front of a property, looking like, you know, there was some stress or some contemplation. I just stop and and talk and say who I am and say, you know, how can I help you? And in a lot of cases, it's been people that you know had an estate property and they needed to to sell it and didn't know who to go to or didn't trust who the people were they could go to, and there I was. We were able to strike a deal that made us both happy. So I'm real big about knowing all my neighbors, whether it's residential or commercial, letting them know that I'm available. If uh, if we're doing something they don't like, tell us, and we'll try to stop. Uh, If they need some help, uh, we'll we'll try to help them. And that type of attitude has just really, um, I think that's kind of been the, the key for us, uh, aggressive but not too aggressive, and um, you know when we when we help, uh, it it kind of comes back to us. Yeah, I've I totally agree. Every charitable thing that I've ever done, with no intent, always has come back to me. Every single time, I can't explain it. Um, other than, you know, the yin-yang principle, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, it's it's amazing. So as you were building your portfolio, was there ever a time where you speculated? It looks, it sounds to me like all the deals you do are cash flow based. Did you ever buy any property because you thought it was going to go up in value? Well, you... That's why I encourage people to own property because yeah. if if you own it, you get the benefit of appreciation. You don't know how much appreciation, but you can't discount the fact that we live in Houston, Texas, and you can't discount the incredible amount of appreciation that we've experienced during my career. Um, you know, it's 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 just a, it's just amazing. I mean, I look back and you know I'll. I'll look at a piece of property and it's like, well, I'm tired of paying taxes on that. It's just too high. And then you sell it and you go, I never imagined that when I bought it for, you know, $65,000 that today it would be worth 300. But at the time when you bought it for 65,000, you felt like you were taking a little bit of risk. You didn't know exactly if you were going to be able to, to lease it for enough for cash flow or, or add value to it and sell it and make money. But in most cases we were able to, there's, there's been a few dogs, but uh, usually the dogs were um, something that we could turn and get our money back and not really lose anything and, and pick up a little experience along the way. And now what do you focus on? You're purely multifamily now, right? No, I actually, I, I sold the last complex. It was 150 units in Baytown. Sold that in 2008. So mainly okay. I do commercial uh small office buildings, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 square feet, uh, warehouses about the same. I still have some single family, 
I I deal a little bit in in raw land here in town, and then in the last three or four years, I've started buying a ranch property in in uh, kind of west of Houston. But you know, Steve, we just we just have to pivot. I mean, you can't you can't compete with people that are paying fifty thousand over a list in residential. So yeah. you know, I'm always against the market. If residential's hot, we're buying commercial. If commercial's too hot, we're buying residential or something else. And you know, we don't let the market determine um, you know, if we're going to buy or sell, uh we let the market determine what we're going to buy and sell. So, I mean, we stay very active. Like I've been telling people, uh, 2023, uh, we're probably going to start buying, you know, a few houses here and there. Yeah. Never thought I'd say that again, but I mean, <laughs> just that's, that's what the market's going to be. And, and, uh, whether I'm retired or not, we're still going to do, you know, some, residential well we're, we're still going to do deals. well let me cut you off because we got to go to break russell please hang on i'll be back in about we'll be back in about four minutes this is the total wealth academy radio show thanks for listening there's an old joke when is the best time to buy real estate 20 years ago when is the second best time today and this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, Russell Simmons, who is an extremely experienced real estate investor doing everything from commercial property to apartment complexes to single-family homes to raw land and now ranch property. That's that's really an interesting array of investing. Um, how do you move from one class or one space to another? Do you read up on it? Do you get a mentor how how do you go from you know apartments to commercial um i do i do read a lot i ask a lot of questions um but i've i've been at it you know a very long time yeah and you know it just to be in our business you have to have a little bit of vision you have to see things that other people don't don't see and when i was talking about having all the investments in the heights well we were able to save sell a few investments and that's how we bought apartments and then as it got harder and harder to buy in the heights we had to move into a different market so we moved into another emerging market called oak forest and then garden oaks and then as you get pushed further into spring branch and what i found was interesting uh about four years ago uh we started getting interested in the East End, Edo. Uh, just I was hearing some rumblings and things, and, and I looked into it a little bit, started driving some streets, and Edo reminded me of the Heights 30 years before. So gotcha. we did, you know, six, seven, eight deals in Edo. We uh, held some for rental. We, we flipped a few, and uh, we renovated a few and, and made some really good money. So I guess we're 
we're opportunists that can add value to things and have the 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 holding power to keep things if we needed the market to mature a little bit more to get a price that we that we want and i guess that's how i've always looked at it and that's kind of how we got into the country property just started kind of driving around and and found a deal that that i liked and it uh, actually it was in the state so uh i just i guess i have a knack for kind of making people comfortable and want to deal with me so you know you get a a really good deal and it may be what more so we bought a total of three ranches a little over 300 square uh, 300 acres and the market just took off and you know we're able to you know quadruple the um the price per acre in in just barely over a year and you don't wow. you don't plan for that you're just yeah. in the right place at the right time i mean you just you just you know, you you have to see it, believe that you're right, take action, and then you know see what the market does. And I started a year later, then you know it might be where I paid too much, but again, kind of got educated guess and got lucky again. <laughs> that is, I love these stories because it's just, you know, you got lucky because you're out there doing it, and people that are listening, that are not out there in it, they'll never get quote-unquote lucky because they're not doing anything. Um, what would be, we've got a lot of listeners that are scared to death. They're, they want to do it. They're listening to me on a regular basis and just get, can't get themselves to pull the trigger. What would be your best advice to somebody like that? Well, I always tell people, whether I'm in a private conversation or speaking to a group, uh, you got to own your own home. Uh, You know, some people say it's a terrible investment. Uh, I say it's the greatest investment because, you know, one of the reasons I was able to build kind of a a war chest was we moved every couple years. We'd fix up a a really nice house in the Heights, live there for two years, sell it, you know, maybe make a couple hundred grand that we didn't have to pay tax on which was very powerful and rolled that money into more deals and homesteaded another house for a couple of years. And, you know, when I tell that story to some people, there's two, there's two reactions. Some people say, that's amazing. I'd like to do that. And other people say, you moved every two years. That sounds so hard. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it, it is hard. It's called sacrifice, but look what you get from sacrifice. I mean, my wife can tell stories of, you know, washing dishes in the bathtub because well, I was renovating the kitchen. And she could have complained about that. She didn't because she was getting a new kitchen. So uh, what we do is not necessarily always easy, but it's fun and it's profitable. And, uh, of course, it's a lot more fun talking about it 30 years after you were doing it as opposed to when you're going yeah. through it sometimes. But, uh, you know, uh, some days you just got to put your head down and ugly it in. And, and make it happen. And to me, uh, people think we're risk takers. I think that we're conservative people that uh, try to buy for value, number one. I mean, if somebody tells me, if you don't buy it for this price, you're not going to get it, 
I just kind of laugh to myself because I know prices go up and down. That's not a good reason to buy to pay too much for something because That's somebody right. tells you that. And I would never tell one of my clients that. Um, you know, price uh, pressure of not you know going up so high that you can't be able to afford it is not a good reason to buy something. I mean, tell that to the people that less than a year ago paid fifty, sixty thousand more than the listing price on a house. And they're regretting that today, but they they were told that pressure and they acted on it. So, but I think what would scare me is if I had a job, and I wondered if I was going to get laid off because of something that I didn't do, because of inflation or because of poor management, and uh, that would that would scare me to death. Yeah. Wow. I I totally agree with that. That is a scary situation. I make the comment, my personal opinion, Russell, is that the biggest risk taker is a person who only has one source of income, and that being a job. Because Without a doubt. It can go away. You can get fired. You can have an incompetent manager. All the things you listed and more. All right, Russell, I sure appreciate it. I've got a couple of emails I need to answer. But thank you so much for coming on the radio show today. Really great. Oh, I enjoyed it. Just uh, thanks for having me, and if you need me again, let me know. All right, I will do, Russell. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Okay, let's get to these those uh, questions. I think is a question. I think this one may just be a comment. Um, Jerry, yeah, I don't see a question here. You're just basically saying thanks for having Russell on. It's nice to see somebody who's been at it for that long and been through the ups and downs and was able to succeed. Yeah, there's no question. So thank you for the kind words, Jerry, and I hope uh, I'll pass this on to Russell just in case he's not listening after getting off the show. Uh, Phone lines are open. No Sorry, we don't have time for that. But my email is always open to you 24-7. If you've got a question for me, something we discussed you don't understand or confuses you, give me a, fire me an email 24-7. Doesn't have to be during the show. It's steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Dot com, and you can ask me anything. Just say you're a listener to the show, so I know you're you're not a member or something like that. Um, this next question is nope. That's a comment. Let me try to get to a question. Um. All right, this is from Qui. Uh, I think. Sorry if I'm messing up your name. I apologize. Uh, multifamily Section 8. I love Section 8 and hate Section 8. I love Section 8 when the right people get it. Um, I had a lot of single moms where the deadbeat dad had just left them or whatever. They were on Section 8 housing while they were in school. That's what Section 8 is for. And these ladies, all of them, within two or three years, were off Section 8. What I don't like is when a family 
or individual is on Section 8 for life? No. Um, so be very cautious. The way I do it is I let about 10% of my portfolio be Section 8 and never more than that because I don't want the government to control my property. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.